is Dave Fryer. Welcome to The Reluctant Agilist. We've got sort of a different topic today, and Yvonne Marcus is here. Yvonne, thank you for taking time out of your morning. Thank you for having me. And you have a podcast of your own. I do. It's called Your Agile Home. Okay. So the people that listen to this podcast are used to talking about Agile in relationship to work and how to figure out how to make it fit in their waterfall organizations or to let go of the waterfall and how to figure out what to do with their job now that they're Agile. Um, but we don't often talk about doing it at home. So can you, like, what's, what's your background and how did you come up with the idea to, to do something that's focusing on bringing this stuff into play at your house? Well, honestly, I figured this is the last great waterfall, so why not fall it? <laughs> <laughs> we, we all grew up with our parents sort of telling us what to do and us following orders uh, and not having a lot of participation in our own childhood. Okay. Uh, and for me, a big part of what I want my mission to be is to create um, positive home management solutions for every family. Um, and a lot of times that just involves asking your kids what will be better for them in a situation. So, um, you know, if you're having a behavioral issue, um, you know, it, that toddler phase where they're biting or they're hitting and, and you want to talk to them and ask them, like, what would be a solution that would help you not bite? Um, and maybe that's a chewy toy from, um, you know, ARC Technologies, or it's, you know, a time in or a time out, whatever that is, they will provide you with feedback that lets you know what that, that solution is for them. And that was a big part of why we changed to using the Agile format because it, it gave a space and a time for everybody to come with their problems and their solutions. And uh, for us, we just decided that there were no bad solutions. We would just write them all down and then um, X them off as we went. Okay. So it sounds like you're sort of starting with the retrospective idea. Yes. We, we did kind of start there with, you know, like what's working, what's not working. Um, and how can we improve? Because um, in order to set up that first sprint, because we use Scrum in my house, okay. was to um, was to really look at what actually needed improvement and what was going to cause the fastest um, level of improvement for our life. So, um, you know, for instance, one time that was just literally creating an entryway solution. Um, that involved a place for shoes to go and a place for hoodies or coats to go because everything was just, you know, starting to clutter up the chairs and the floor in the living room area. And it was annoying everyone. Okay. Um, and so that went to the top of our backlog. So this is, I'm really curious about this. So first of all, how big is your, your team, your scrum team at home? Uh, we have four members. Okay. And can I ask how old the younger people are at like a range? Yeah, she uh, the baby is three and okay. the oldest is five. Okay. Um, now, how do you define, you talked about, you know, what, what could we do? What, what was actually a problem and what could we address the quickest? How do you quantify value for, for your family? Um, so for us, it's kind of what is the most annoying thing for each person at a given time. Okay. And then we determine what will actually create the most success and the most happiness for every member of the team um, in order to prioritize that. Um, so, you know, you might have like the entryway might be one piece and then, um, you know, another piece might be some sort of 
uh, potty training or um, some sort of behavioral issue. And then there might be, you know, a a kitchen um, meal planning problem where you, you just can't figure out what to cook for every day because that's like the most hateful time of adulting, right? Sure. Is trying to figure out what to cook every day of your life. Um, and so, and then we just prioritized based on what was the most annoying and, um, and thought about ways that we could improve it, you know, in iterations, like what must it have during the first iteration in order to be successful? Okay. So I'm really curious about if your, your kids, if when they say something is, if they, if they're, you know, boxing in value by what's annoying or what's not annoying, when they come up with a thing that is like a massive deal to them and then it's addressed, do they sometimes find that it really wasn't that big of a deal? Um, They don't necessarily usually find that it wasn't that big of a deal, but they do find sometimes that the solution that, that was, um, was addressed. Okay. um, Isn't the actual solution to the problem. Okay. So this is really interesting. When my daughter was very young, um, we, we use Scrum and Kanban in our house for everything we do. And we have since my daughter's been like four. Um, when she was really young, my wife would often work on the weekends and I'd have Katie by myself and, um, you know, trying to keep her busy all day long. And when I had stuff I had to do too, it was always really challenging. And I would try to prioritize my stuff first which meant she was just like spazzing out all day because we couldn't do her stuff. And then I was too tired to really show up for it. And I mm-hmm. slowly learned that if I prioritized all her stuff first and we like got up on Saturday morning and did everything she wanted to do, then she'd go along totally peacefully with everything I needed to do afterwards. So it was right. like, she taught me a lot about value and how to prioritize stuff for my team. It's just interesting. Like the amount of stuff you can pick up and learn about, how this works from people who maybe you're so young that you would think there's really not a lot that you're going to learn from them. They're sometimes your best teachers. Absolutely. And the thing is, is sometimes they don't necessarily know what the problem is or what the solution is, but as you're listening to them, you can kind of suss it out by just asking more questions you don't want to ask leading questions. Like you don't want to lead them to an answer, but yeah. you want to kind of dig a little bit deeper. Um, you know, so why is that bothering you? Or um, why are you having a meltdown when we need to leave the house to go do um, grocery shopping? Yeah. Uh, and come to find out for my son, it was literally, he can't go to the grocery store. <laughs> he was um, the bright lights and the white walls. Yeah. It was just too stressful for him to go so we were like okay you don't have to go grocery shopping i wish i'd have thought of that when i was <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so that's really awesome so um i how how like hardcore are you with the structure of it i mean are you planning sprints and having daily scrums and things like that are you keeping a mm-hmm. task board Yes. My husband and I sit down or stand up every morning across the counter from each other and sort of go over what's on our schedule because that allows us to make decisions about who needs to pick up the children from school, who needs to drop off the children from school based on what our individual schedules look like. Um, You know, who needs to cook dinner because it may be that, you know, I have a five o'clock meeting or he has a five o'clock meeting and we just have to sort of shift who's doing what. 
um, in order to help the person who needs the most help. And the kids have a daily scrum board, which is um, a visual schedule to people who wouldn't be super familiar with what a scrum board is. Uh, but it has their like uh, pictures of the items that they need to do, uh, you know, wake up, eat breakfast, um, put your dishes away, um, just any item you would need to get done in order to get out the door on time. And I'm telling you, it ended like 90% of my morning fight. <laughs> well, yeah, I want to, I want to try to extend this a little bit. So, you, you know, kids, they need some kind of re positive reinforcement and getting to move the card across the board and see that completion is a big deal. Visualizing all the things that you have to do is always a big deal for everybody. But I've seen in my own daughter who's in college now, she still has a Kanban board in the other room and she, they don't take it down. They don't take anything out of the done box until the end of the semester. So yeah. they have to put layers of tape on top of all the post-its and it stacks up and stacks up. And by the time they take it down, it's like a quarter of an inch thick of nothing but post-its like stacked on top of post-its of all the things that she's done. But where I went through college feeling constantly overwhelmed and trying to just keep up, she's actually ahead or like mm -hmm. right on the curve of knowing this is what's due when. And it's all because of this habit that's been, you know, kind of burned in since she was a little kid of, visualize all your stuff and plan out how you're going to get it done. Yeah. And for my kids, like it's no longer mom and dad want me to get dressed, which is always going to be, well, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel like that right now. I want to watch TV uh, to the board says that I have to get dressed. So if the board says, well, then I must have to do it. Well, and they can choose to do it. It's, it's there, cool. like, you know, the, and things are in an order on the board, but they're not in such a specific order that like you have to eat breakfast before you get dressed or, you know, the things that we don't do out of order are like, obviously we don't put pajamas on after we're asleep, uh, sort of thing. But yeah. anything that can logically be moved around is totally fine with them doing it in whatever order they choose to. Okay. Um, and adding that choice makes them happier. <laughs> yeah, they get yeah they get the ownership of it. Um, can I ask how this has impacted your relationship with your husband or your communication with your husband? Has it helped? Oh yeah, significantly. Um, mainly because nobody feels overwhelmed all day about all the things that we need to get done. Um, because I don't know if you've noticed, but as a society, we typically say that that's mom's job. Mom is supposed to be in charge of it. Mom's supposed to keep track of it. Mom's supposed to be getting all the calls from the school. Mom's supposed to set up all the doctors. Mom's got a lot to do. Yeah. And it's just <laughs> too much. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody can do this. Uh, and so having uh, specifically the daily scrum is the number one place. I noticed that all of my families get the, the maximum bang for their buck immediately. Um, and that's because mom can make all of that work visible and say, you know what? I'm one person. I can only do so many things in a day. These are the things that I'm going to delegate out to other people in my family. And say you have teenagers. You can ask your teenager to call their doctor's office and set their own doctor's appointment. Sure. Like that's something that they can totally do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I can ask my five-year-old to clean up his room or, you know, things like that. But it's just the ability to get things off of your sheet so that you're not overwhelmed yeah. immediately adds to um, your communication levels going up. And on top of that, when you're sitting down every week and you're asking what's going right and what's going wrong, like 
you get feedback that is then able to help you improve your relationships, your time to completion, your budget, like so much um, just changes when you're actually talking about it versus stewing about the thing that's on the to-do list that's not getting done. Um, Because when we talk about a typical honey-do list, you're looking at a list of things that just keeps getting added to. And everybody feels that there's a different priority for different items on it. Right. So, I mean, obviously if there's a leak under your sink, that's going to take a high priority, no matter what you could be in the middle of your scrum and you're going to have to stop and take care of that leak. But if you have like a shelf you want hung up and to me, like that's number one priority. Um, it might not be number one priority to my husband when he looks at that list, because maybe it's going to take longer or he doesn't have all the tools or he doesn't um, have, you know, the, the time or the capacity to do that. But he doesn't know it's number one to me. And now I'm mad about it. And I'm just going to keep being mad about it. Or I'm just going to go do it myself. And he's going to know that I'm obviously mad about it because I'm huffing and puffing and doing yeah. it. Well, and, and I'm assuming no each good. have a different idea. Like value for him in that situation could be, I'd really like it if she wasn't all huffy about it. I'm going to go do it to, to please or to, to demonstrate my support or my love or whatever. Um, even though it's not something I care about, I recognize it as something the other person cares about. Right. But if you were communicating that by yeah. having, you know, a planning meeting where you say, you know, this would really help my life because it would allow me to have a place in the kid's room to put up um, their Legos that they built that they don't want to break apart right now. Um, and therefore I wouldn't be stepping on them every time I walk in their room. Yeah. That'd be nice. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so when you can add this element of communication where you're very clear with your user story about why it would make you feel better, um, then you're able to say, Oh, I can see why that needs to be done for you. And we'll add it to this sprint yeah. or, you know what, there's just some other stuff we need to complete first. We'll put that at the top of the backlog. So I'm wondering about the, I'm, I'm assuming or, or guessing maybe that just being a mom who's got so much on her plate, having a place where you can put like visualize all the stuff, but then ask for support and help from others and have them choose to help you as opposed to you saying, do this, do that, do the other thing. That's got to create like a feeling of, I mean, I assume a feeling of safety and support for you as well, right? Absolutely. It gives you more room to feel less stressed out because the number one thing that happens is you start snipping at everybody or yelling. Um, And nobody feels good about that. Every time I yell at my kids, I'm like, oh my goodness, I really (laughs) wish that I hadn't done that. Um, I know it's bad. Um, And then you feel guilt that then just builds up. And the more that you're able to, to get off your plate and not be overwhelmed by the less you're going to do those things. Sure, yeah. nobody's perfect. You're going to yell sometimes. That's that's life. But at the same time, when you are able to communicate and able to get things done and able to make things better, um, then you don't get to like big bottlenecks in your day where you need to do 50 things and you're one person. Yeah. I think it, for me, stuff like that, at the very least, it cuts down on the number of times I'm sitting there going, oh my God, I've turned into my parents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hate when I say, if you don't do this, 
you can't do this. Like it feels like such threatening language. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. I don't, I don't want to be this person. Yeah. And I just sit and I think about like, what is it in this moment that is actually making me like at the end of my rope? And sometimes it's just too much sensory input. (laughs) Like there's just too many things going on and too many people talking to you at one time. So I've started looking at my kids saying, I'm one person. I can only do one thing at a time. Well, okay. So that I think is really awesome too, because you're demonstrating vulnerability and and awareness of limitations to your children. I mean, a lot of kids grow up, they don't understand that parents are human beings and that they have a limit to what they can do. And I think if you can show them that you can be caring for them and loving and supportive and also be somebody who's like, you know what, Eh, eh, not right now, I need a minute or whatever. Um, It makes you more human for them. Yeah. And, and honestly, it allows them to also say those things to you. Yeah. Um, because a lot of times when you're looking at an authority figure, you feel like you have to do exactly what it is that they want you to do right then, whether you have the capacity to do so or not. Cool. So I want to follow up on something we talked about before we started recording and see how this plays into the whole use of agile at home. You mentioned that, um, Parenting burnout cannot be solved by self-care. And self-care is a really big topic in Agile and has been for a couple of years um, because we realize no, but Scrum Masters generally don't take very good care of themselves. They take care of everybody else. Um, so can you comment on, on, on the parenting burnout thing and how that ties yeah. into Agile? Yeah, I would say that parents are also really bad at taking care of themselves, um, particularly moms, because it's sort of, uh, as a society, we've decided that uh, moms should give up everything so yeah. that the kids are happy and healthy. And, um, and husbands and too. Should, the yeah. husbands have to be happy too. Yeah, and everything <laughs> in the house is taken care of, and it's all your job. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started this backlash to that that said, oh, I need time for self-care, which is... Uh, traditionally sold to us as go take a hot bath, yeah. you know, Calgon, take me away. Candles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Get a massage. And these are things that are not realistic uh, for most people every day. I don't have time to do those things, uh, but I can stop for five minutes and do a crossword puzzle or something else that makes me happy. Um, so that's one thing is that the traditional form of what we think self-care is, is, is not realistic and it's not going to be achievable. Uh, And the second thing is that if you have ever been a parent who's just so busy and you go and you take that five, 10 minutes by yourself, um, you're thinking one of two things. One, you're thinking about the problem that you need to solve and you're not actually taking care of yourself. Or two, you do kind of take care of yourself, but you're still very worried about what's going to happen when you go back to your real life or your, your time away from self-care. And those things don't actually lead to solid self-care that's taking yeah. care of you. And the self-care doesn't actually solve your problem that you have. And if you can't solve the problem that is causing you the distress that you really want to go and be relieved from, then you're not actually getting relief. So it's kind of this circular thing that keeps happening. Oh, I'm overwhelmed and this thing is annoying me. I should go take five minutes to myself and relax and not think about it. But all I can do is think about it. So now we're back at the original point. 
And that is a real problem for parenting burnout because you're just not getting over the burnout. And there's no, you know, vacation from parenting. So you have to solve the problem that's bothering you. So the, you know, the entryway solution that I talked about earlier, like that was just really stressful for everybody. And every time you would walk through the living room, you would just think about it and you would have to walk through the living room to be able to go and do, you know, anything you want to do at any other point in the house. And so it was constantly coming up every day. So then, of course, when we have our scrum planning meeting, um, we would just be like, oh, you know what? This, this has to be dealt with now because if it doesn't get dealt with, then we can't take five minutes to go into another room and take some deep breaths or 10 minutes to meditate or yeah. you know, anything um, because we're just so focused on this thing. And when that thing becomes your biggest focus... There just isn't a way to escape from it. And then you get more burnt out over time. And the more burnt out you get, the worse yeah, the worse problem it gets. gets. And the worse that you feel you are as a parent. Like you don't end up feeling good about what you've done this week. And then you go to your meeting and you're like, oh, I didn't do anything. I didn't complete anything. So I'm wondering if, I'm wondering two things. If in that situation maybe there's somebody who can play a role of saying, well, hey, wait a second. No, look at the things you did do. Look at the times you were there. Look at the times, you know, the things you did accomplish. But the other thing I'm wondering is maybe the experiments could be run to recast the idea of what self-care means. Like for for me, I, I went through a number of experiments trying to kind of suss out what are the, maybe not self-care, but like the maintenance things I have to do every day so that I don't mm-hmm. just completely lose it. And I came up with like five or six things. Like if I do these four of these five things every day, I'm going to be okay. And if not, I'm going to be horrible to everyone around me. <laughs> like that's just what happens. But Absolutely. it took months to figure out. And it's nothing like go to a spa or anything like that. It's like, like you said, five, 10 minutes here, you know, grab a moment there. Um, but I'm also wondering if I'm saying that as a dad who's able to say like, nope, I need to go read you know comic books for a half an hour and let my wife will deal with whatever happens. Like maybe that's, yeah. you know, maybe I'm placing I, the burden somewhere else. I think that dads do feel or do have access to saying that they need to do that a little bit easier than moms do currently, which is part of why I started this business was yeah. because I wanted to teach moms how to get over that hump how to make this change. Uh, And yeah, part of it is like when you're having a sprint retrospective with your kids and you ask them what's going right, you literally hear all of the things that you're doing wonderfully. It is great for reminding you that you are not awful. And and they'll say, you know, I really liked it when we played games every night this week after dinner. Or I really liked it when we went on that walk around the neighborhood. Um, and like, those are things that, you know, you now know that you can add to your, you know, you can add to your list every week as, oh, those are things that the kids really enjoyed. And now we have things to pull from. Yeah. Um, and the second thing is, um, during your daily standup, this is when I like to address self-care because the thing is, is if you don't talk about it and get it on the schedule on the board, yeah, it's gotta be on the board. Yeah, it won't happen because yep. you'll find a million things you could be doing instead. Um, or somebody will ask you for something and you won't want to say no. So you'll just, 
do the the thing like, uh, you know, read me more stories. Who wants yeah. to say no to reading more stories? Nobody. But at the same time, like you need that time away um, in order to fill your cup, in order to be valuable to your family. Um, so we just talk about how much time we need every day during that standup. So I might say, you know what? I need 30 minutes sometime between dinner and bedtime in order to just go and be in the quiet by myself. Um, it was a little harder during the quarantine period when no one ever left the house. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, as we've gotten phased out of that, it's a little bit easier. But I think that knowing that every day there is time for that was able to help us also get through a period of time where everyone had to stay home. Okay. So that's one of the like, things I was going to ask about was quarantine because I, I'm in New York and we're still locked down. Mm -hmm. um, but how have you seen this impact families that have been going through that? So I've seen that it's, um, it's been nice to have the daily standup um, specifically because, you know, if you're trying to have video conference calls or I'm trying to record this podcast, I need to make sure that it's not overlapping with my partner's schedule. Yeah. Um, because we do have two kids at home. If you have older kids, then, you know, it's not so difficult. Or if you have um, two separate offices, it's not that difficult. But my husband and I share an office. Um, so you kind of have to, to know who's doing what and who's going to be where, when. Okay. And then the other thing is, is that we have been able to complete a lot of things on sprints that we just didn't have time for when we were doing uh, school drop-off, school pickup, extracurricular activities okay. and all of those things. So uh, we were able to get a lot of yard work done. For instance, we were able to finally plant the garden that we wanted to plant like last year um, because we actually had a moment to take a deep breath and do that. Yeah. Um, and, and also just reevaluate priorities because when you are home and that's all you can do, uh, and you're thinking about it more, you can really look at, you know, does this thing actually need to be done? Like, um, sports, if your kid is participating in a sport and then as you're going through the quarantine period and your kid just hasn't even asked about the sport, doesn't practice, doesn't care, um, you know, is that sport really important to them? And can we take back our Saturday mornings by canceling it? Oh, okay. And it's okay to do so because winners never quit is a lie. Yeah. It's, it's interesting <laughs> what you're saying because my daughter dances and she dances with a dance troupe and she hasn't been able to obviously since March because of the quarantine. And we don't talk about it, but um, I, I know her well enough to know that the reason we're not talking about it is not because she doesn't miss it horribly. It's because talking about it would just be too depressing. Oh, um, yeah. So I, I, you can learn a lot about, you know, what you're talking about and not talking about too. Yeah. It's so important to just, you know, as, and as long as you have those feedback loops and that communication open, yeah, you will continue to learn and you will continue to intuit things as you hear from them about other things. So like the grocery store was difficult for my son because of bright lights and, you know, stark white walls and those sorts of things. Yeah. So when we, we have um, a lottery program for schools here and you go and you visit all of the schools and then you list um, your schools in order of which ones you have preferences for. Okay. So when we went and looked at schools, we looked for diffused lighting, um, you know, lighter walls, um, and those sorts of things as we were determining which one was going to be our number one choice. 
which is really interesting because I can't even imagine my parents having conversation. <laughs> you go to school. They got lights. They'll turn them on. Fine. Yeah. It's Learn a neighborhood something. school. <laughs> I went to school there in my hometown. Like literally my parents went to the same elementary school I did. They went wow. to the same high school I did. All of my classmates were their friends' children. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I did it. I came out. Okay. Yeah, it's. Fun. I mean, it's also it's funny how the more that we learn about our kids, the more it informs our ability to be, hopefully, more nurturing parents. Than you know, not that our parents didn't do their best, but you know, maybe there's a way we can amp that up for our own kids. Yeah, I mean, it's like you do what you know, and there will be things that come out in twenty years when our kids are having kids, or you know, whatever age that would be for you. Uh, and you'll find out that there's a lot of stuff that we did that they're not doing anymore because they've scientifically learned it's not great. Yeah. Well, I want to mention one other thing about this that's really important is that if you can teach this stuff to your families, your kids are going to grow up with, with definitely a better way of managing their own workload and feeling more maybe empowered to, to take charge of it. But um, when they enter the workforce, they're already going to have sort of like immunization against waterfall. Yeah. Because they've seen a, <laughs> seen a better way. Yeah. And this, and waterfall just doesn't work with kids as much as, uh, you know, we'd like to think that it did in the past. It did because, in the 50s. You know, <laughs> there was lots of rebellion. There was lots of, you know, tantrums still. Yeah. Uh, and people just didn't know at the time that there was a better solution. Yeah. This is great. So yeah, I know you've got a, uh, you, you do, consulting work helping families with this, right? And you offer training in it. Is that right? Yes, I do. I offer a course in it. Um, and you know, right now, if people want to know whether or not they're ready to start their agile transformation or not, uh, they can go over to evonmarcus.com and I have a three day email mini course that is self-paced, uh, where they can, um, learn the three pillars to starting their own agile transformation. This is awesome. So I get a lot of people in my classes who, want to be able to do this stuff, but they don't have an opportunity to do it at work. And they're always like, well, how do I start? And I think this is a great example of a way you can take Scrum or, you know, practices from Kanban or any other form of Agile and start to use them at home. Um, hey, one final question for you. Well, first of all, how do people get in touch with you before I ask you my um, final question? Twitter is where most people will be able to find me every single day. And that's okay. at Agile Yvonne. Okay. And they can also email me, hello at yvonnemarcus.com. Cool. Thank you. And I'll make sure to include links to all that in the show notes. My question for you is, um, on a Scrum team, we have a product owner and a Scrum master and the development team. Mm -hmm. And I would like to know, in your opinion, who the product owner is in a family, who the Scrum master is, and who the dev team is. So the dev team is the entirety of us. It's all four of us. Okay. Um, and I feel like, honestly, there isn't a product owner and a scrum master. Okay. Uh, my husband and I sort of do those jobs together. Um, and that was partially so that no one had to take full ownership of it because that would okay. just add to somebody. That would just add to a load, right? Instead yeah. of taking away. Um, so we just sort of, I usually facilitate the meetings. Okay. Um, my handwriting's a little better. It's a little bit easier for me to <laughs> write faster. Um, you know, those sorts of things. But, um, but it really wasn't important to us that like a person be in charge, but yeah. 
here's the thing. Our dev team is also our stakeholders. Okay. <laughs> and that starts a whole new thing. But, yeah. you know, as we're dog fooding our own, uh, our own solutions, we find out whether or not they actually work. All right. So I, I had uh, asking because I had a conversation with another trainer one time and he was talking and he's like, I can't figure out if I'm the, the product owner or the scrum master. I'm like, you're an idiot. That's what you are. You're, <laughs> the wife is always the product owner. The kids are the scrum master. The husband is always the team. It's a <laughs> job to just work for everybody. Um, yeah, we just tried to make it um, so that the kids don't see any one of us yeah, as being I think that's more really in healthy. charge than the other one. Yeah, very healthy. And and you get because more cross-functionality really, that way too, probably. Yeah, and I really just want to revolutionize this idea that mom is in charge. Yeah, to get rid of those boxes that we put people in. This is really great. So thank you for the work that you're doing and thank you for taking time today. Thank you for having me. It was so fun to be here. Yeah, that was cool. So I've got links to everything. Hopefully folks will go to wherever they get their podcast to find your Agile home. Um, and they can go to YvonneMarcus.com to, to track you down or find you on Twitter at Agile Yvonne, right? That's it. Cool. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs>